Luke 18, starting in verse 18, a certain ruler asked him, good teacher, what must, I, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Why do you call me good, Jesus answered. No one is good except God. You know the commandments. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not murder and you shall not steal. You shall not give false testimony. Honor your father and your mother. Let me stop there. You know that guy went, those are big things Jesus said don't do, right? I mean, there's a lot of people in this building could check all those off. Shall not commit adultery. Yeah, good. Shall not commit murder. You want to classify that? No. Yeah, I'm good. You shall not steal. Well, there was that time with the squirt gun, but I don't think that counted because I was a juvenile. Um, you shall not give false testament. They're like things that the guy could check off and go, yeah, yeah, man. Good on those. Honor your father and mother. Sure, sure. I got all those. Matter of fact, in verse 20 says, all these things I have kept since I was a boy. When Jesus heard this, he said to him, you still lack one thing. Sell everything you have and give to the poor. And you have treasure in heaven, then come follow me. When he heard this, he became very sad because he was very wealthy. Jesus looked at him and said, how hard is it for the rich to enter the kingdom of God? Indeed, it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for someone who is rich to enter the kingdom of God. I just want to let you know this confused everybody who was standing around. Verse 26, those who heard this asked, who then can be saved? Jesus' statement right there said, man, it's easier for something that seemingly is impossible, and there's a story behind the camel in the eye of a needle. It wasn't actually trying to thread a camel through the eye of a needle, but it was still pretty impossible in their eyes. How can this even happen then? They're looking at him. Jesus replied, what is impossible with man is possible with God. Peter said to them, we have left all we have to follow you. I love Peter. He wants to make sure they're good. Jesus just looks at the young ruler and says, hey, listen, um, I need you to sell everything you have, give it to the poor. And it says the guy became sad because he's very wealthy. And it does not say he fulfilled that. Peter, who probably wasn't wealthy, still got nervous. And he went, hey, just so we're on the same page, we did give everything away. That's it, right? Don't you do that to God sometimes? You're like, I know that person sitting across from me is a stingy bum, but look what I did, right? Truly, I tell you, Jesus said that no one who has left home or wife or brothers or sisters or parents or children for the sake of the kingdom of God will fail to receive many times as much in this age and in the age to come eternal life. You know what the catchphrase there is? In this age. He said, don't worry, Peter, I'm going to take care of you. All right, we're going to fast forward a little bit to Luke chapter 19, verses 1 through 10. Jesus entered Jericho and was passing through. A man was there by the name of Zacchaeus. Zacchaeus was a wee little man, and a wee little man was he. He was a chief tax collector and wealthy. So we got something in common with the other guy, right? He was wealthy. We wanted to see, he wanted to see who Jesus was, but because he was so short, he could not see over the crowd. So he ran ahead, climbed a, a sycamore fig tree to see him since Jesus was coming that way. When Jesus reached the spot, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, 
come down immediately. I must stay at your house today. So he came down at once and welcomed him gladly. All the people saw this and began to mutter, he's gone to be the guest of a sinner. But Zacchaeus stood up and said to the Lord, look, Lord, here and now I give half of all my possessions to the poor. And if I've cheated anyone out of anything, I will pay back four times the amount. Jesus said to him, today salvation has come to this house because this man too is the son of Abraham. For the son of man came to seek and save the lost. Father, we thank you this morning. God, help us to have the heart of generosity. Lord, you didn't create us to walk away sad. You created us for a relationship with you. Lord, burn that into our hearts today that we could change this world for your kingdom. And it's in your name we pray and everyone said, amen and amen. You may be seated. Hey, could you do something really quick? My favorite person in the whole world just had a birthday on Friday. Yeah, Friday, April 5th. Could you give her a big hand clap, my wife? Um, She actually does get better every year. I would say it's like a fine wine, but then you'd be like, oh, he's drinking. We don't know it. Death by familiarity. Death by familiarity. That's the, that's the series we're in. We're going to run through Easter with this familiarity. I, um, I was struck by something. I watched, a, uh, I watched an interview with Rick Warren, pastor of Saddleback Church. You may be more familiar with him. He wrote the book, The Purpose Driven Life. Purpose Driven Life book is the number one best-selling non-fiction book outside of the Bible in all of human history. Now, if you know anything about best-selling books, you know a pile of cash comes with best-selling books. <laughs> I write it for Jesus, and I get the money. He was being interviewed, and um, the topic of how much money he made writing that book came up. I mean, it's all around the world. It's the best-selling book in human history. He made the comment, he said, um, he said, the first year I wrote that book, I could have bought 10 Bentleys and never knew I spent the money. Most of you are like, Jesus, I'd be good with one. Said he could buy 10 Bentleys and never knew he spent the money. But what was striking about his life is it really didn't change. He made the comment that he said, me and my wife have given more money, every, given a per, more percentage every year the whole time we had been married. He said, some years were difficult, we'd give a half a percent more than what we did the year before. Some years were good, we'd give 2% more than we did the year before. But he said, every year that we've been married, we've increased how much money we gave away. Our generosity. And he said, um, after writing that book, I still live in the same house I've lived in for the last 19 years. And at the time of the interview, he said, I'm driving an 11-year-old Ford. And I was like, well, at least he's spiritual. Ford. 
Oh, man. Well, forget all you on that side. And, and the guy interviewing said, why do you think God allowed you to write that book? And without blinking, he said, because he could trust me with the money. He said he could trust me with the money. So they live on 10% of the income and they give 90% away. And you say, well, obviously, if he made that much money, that would be easy to do. But here's what I find out in my life. The more I make, the more I spend. The more I make, the more I spend. So, so even at my level, <laughs> which is not Rick Warren, even at this level, if more comes in, I'm not, I'm not as strategic with it as Rick Warren had been. Because more comes in, more goes out. And I started thinking about how we process generosity, how we process all those things. And Jesus told these, had this interaction with two different people really close together. And Luke records this, and it's a great, it's a great illustration of how he wants us to view generosity. Now watch this. How many of your checklist people? Raise your hand, you got a checklist, you like spreadsheets, checklist, you got to check it off, accomplish something, I got my stuff done today. I think checklists are stressful. I really do. I'm going to get done what I get done today, and then the rest of it will be there tomorrow. Amen? Now, because of this building, I've had to start using checklists. And people saw me walking around yesterday with a clipboard and a checklist. I felt like an idiot. So I'm just like, I'm not working. I'm just checking boxes. Hurry up. One of the things, one of the issues with generosity is, our, is a familiarity with operating on checklists. And let, let me explain to you why. So this rich young ruler, the Bible describes him, comes to Jesus and says, Jesus, what must I do to be perfect? And Jesus says, here's some of the things that you already know about. Don't kill anybody. Don't lie. Don't commit adultery. All the, and he goes, yeah, yeah, man. I got check, 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 check. And then, and then Jesus says, here's one more thing to check off your list. And he goes, whoa, I didn't realize that was on the list. But in that conversation, what you realize is the guy was looking for a list initially. What must I do to be perfect? Is there, is there, is there a formula, a list? Is there a spreadsheet you can send me? Can you email me the requirements? Because if I can get this thing on a list, I could knock them out. I could knock them out, one after one after one. Okay, tell me what I have to do to be perfect. Tell me what I have to do to be accepted. Tell me what I have to do. And Jesus starts out by telling him something, and he gets excited about it. Oh, I've done all those things, man. I've knocked most of those things out already. And then Jesus puts something on the list that starts to discourage him a little bit. And he starts to realize, oh, I might not be able to check this list off so fast. So he was approaching Jesus, not with the mindset of a relationship, but with the mindset of a checklist. What do I got to do here? How can, I, how can I make this list go? How can I check off the box? I think the rich young ruler has gotten a bad rap for being greedy. I don't necessarily think he was greedy. That's like saying all rich people are greedy. 
I don't think that's true. I think poor people can be as greedy as rich people. I've been a greedy poor person before. I don't have much and you're not getting what I got. Amen? So I think, I think we do a little bit of class warfare when we start saying, well, rich people are greedy. Or, no, I think, I think people in general are greedy. Don't we struggle with that? I want what's mine when I want it, and if I get a chance, I'm going to get some of yours. That's the way it works. So by nature, greed is sin, and by nature, we are sinful. And so by nature, greed is kind of baked into the cake. Just like pride, just like lust, just like all those things are baked into the cake, greed comes with it. So, so people will preach th- that he's just overtly greedy, and I don't think that was a problem. I think his mentality coming into the, to the conversation was totally wrong. What do I have to do to be perfect? You see, if you approach God constantly with, what do I have to do to make this up, you will never complete the list. Because that's not the way it was set up to work. But what we do is we get familiar with us accomplishing things and we're, Lord, if you just give me a checklist, if you just, my marriage is struggling, just give me a checklist. I don't want to talk to her. I just want to make her happy. <laughs> Every guy in the building went, what's wrong with that? That sounds awesome. So we just, we're coming into the conversation with the wrong premise. What do I have to do? So anytime we come to Jesus with the premise of what I have to do, we're always going to walk away disappointed. Because whether it's money one time or fixing a relationship the next, it's always going to be something we end up not being able to check. Lord, what, what do I have to do to be right with you? Tell me what I got to do right now. If it's, if, it's always going to be something on the list that you go, I can't do that right now. I can't do that right now. They haven't said sorry to me. I'm not saying sorry to them. Lord, Lord, if, if she won't move my way, I'm not moving her way. If he won't do this, I'm not doing that. There will always be something on that list that you can't check off. And whether it's money or relationship or something else, we end up walking away sad. So with this guy was money. So he said, I, I got a lot of things and I don't know if I could give them all away. But superimpose something in your life. Maybe it's not money. Maybe it's an addiction. That if we were checking off the list, Jesus would say, hey man, throw it away. I can't. I can't. But thanks be to God, that's not how he approaches us, is it? And that's not how he wants us to approach him. We realize Ephesians 2.9. Some of you may know this. Ephesians 2, starting verse 8. I think it's up on the screen. For it is by grace that you have been saved through faith. Somebody say amen to that. So, so you know what? I have never found a checklist with the heading grace on it. They don't exist. So Paul's writing to the Ephesians church. He says, it's by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not from yourself. It's the gift of God. So when the young ruler came to Jesus and said, what do I have to do? Jesus went, dude. There's not enough. Sell everything, give it to the poor. And Jesus crossed the line into something he couldn't check off. 
and the guy didn't understand grace. That's why Jesus said, if that's what you're basing it on, no one can be saved. He wasn't saying that it's just hard for rich people to be saved. If that's the case, no one in the United States will be saved. You're like, I'm not rich. Yes, you are. Trust me, I'm taking an iPhone whatever year to Africa with me and going to let my buddy sell it in Africa, and it's a phone most of you would throw away. But Africans don't have access to those type of phones, so they, they're like, oh, yeah, yeah, we'll, we'll take it. It's crazy, and so, so the idea, we've convinced ourselves that we're not rich. But in the terms of what the rich young ruler is talking about, we are absolutely filthy rich. Amen? You know what we're complaining about? I got one Netflix subscription. It's tough, Lord. We got two logins, man. If my daughter, Morgantown, gets on that thing, and then one of my other kids gets on it before I do, can't get on it anymore, Lord. $10 a month only comes with two. Too cheap to get another one. Nobody else on the planet is having that conversation. But I, what I want you to understand is, is that we get caught up about the money side of it. Because that's the familiar conversation you hear. I, I heard a guy say one time, um, it was about a church in Virginia Beach, and, and it was on Twitter, and, and he said, well, I'm trying to figure out if I'm going to go to church or the club. They both want my money. And I thought he's missed it. He's, he's just looking for a checkbox. He's just looking for a checkbox. The whole mentality is gone. So it, it wasn't just about the money with this guy. But the crowd around Jesus went, oh, who can be saved then? Jesus said, no, 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 you know, you're not getting the point. He's just trying to make sure he's good with me, and you can't make sure you're good with me. I'm making sure you're good with me. Come on, somebody say thank you, Jesus, that he's the one making sure we're good with him. Amen? It's by grace that you're saved, that not of yourself lets any man should boast. He makes sure. That's why his love is unfailing, and his faithfulness lasts. He knows you're not faithful. Some of you are like, what? He knows that our love is fickle. So the reality of the checklist is always going to be something we can't check off. There's a list uh, at the church. There is a list. And, um, and there's a thing called base cove that goes around. See that little, that's the devil on the bottom of the floor right there. It's a little rubber base cove. There are like seven miles of that stuff over there that needs to be put on. And guess what? Nobody wants to do it. So uh, we were having a joking conversation yesterday. And uh, I said something to one guy, and he said, oh, somebody else can do that. And then I had a conversation with another guy. Somebody else can do that. And I thought, we're going to have to check this box. At some point in time. And it's probably going to be me. <laughs> there is, I just use that example, there's always something you don't want to check off. There's always something, there's always something in your life that if you approach God like that, it's not, you're going to go, I can't do that right now. And we're going to be disappointed. 
But that's not the way he told us to come to him. Let me ask you this, if you ever thought this way. I want to do, I want to know what to do. I want to know what to do. I want to have a list. I want to know what to do is right. But do you operate this way when I, even when I get a list, I'll look at some things and I'll say, once I get this finished, then I'll do that. Or once this gets paid off, then I'll do that. You ever ever told yourself that? Man, when I pay this car off, it's going to be different. When I, when I get this car paid off, when I get this bill, when I get that bill paid off, it's going to be, we're going to do it different. And then you know what's crazy? I pay my car off and they built a new one. <laughs> Caught me so off guard, I didn't realize it was coming. I didn't realize it was coming. I paid the car off, five-year note, paid it off, and then I drove by, I was like, that dealership's got a brand new one sitting out there. How'd they do that? And the thing that I thought about checking off the box now becomes postponed. after this upgrade, just this one time. We justify it. One of the issues is, is, is he wanted to know what to do. The next story we read, the guy wanted to know who it was who was asking him to do it. Now watch, this is, this is, this is the awesome part. The rich young ruler came to Jesus not wanting to know Jesus, but wanting to know what to do. So he comes to Jesus, he says, hey, tell me what I gotta do to be perfect. I don't need to know you. Just tell me what I gotta do. And Jesus says, X, Y, and Z, well, I've done all that. Hey, how about I toss this one at the end? Oh, well, that's a deal breaker. I'm walking away now because the relationship wasn't worth the checklist. (laughs) oh man you know how many marriages have broken up because the relationship wasn't worth the checklist you know how many you know you know how many relationships have been destroyed because of because the the value of the relationship was never worth the checklist this student it says he walked away sad because the value of a relationship with jesus wasn't worth checking the the finance box it's not worth it to me i can't do it I can't do it. I just came wanting to know what I had to do to be perfect. I didn't want to have a relationship with you. I just needed to know what to do. And then you put something on the thing that I couldn't do, so I don't want to talk to you anymore. It's like a 14-year-old. What do I got to do today? Uh, You've got to take out the trash because you haven't taken out the trash since you were born. And it's been a requirement the whole... What do they do? And they don't talk to you anymore. And you're like, you get to live here? How many parents have ever said that to your kids? Come on, raise your hand. Be unashamed that you've used that. You live in this house. (laughs) And they're like, you're my parents. What else would I do? It doesn't work. So watch. Do you want to know him or just what to do? total shift of perspective. Now, Luke tells a story about Zacchaeus, the wee little man, or wee little man was he, is up in a tree, not trying to figure out what to do, but trying to figure out who Jesus is. 
Because if you become too familiar with checklists, it will lead to your death. It will lead to the death of, of relationships. It will lead to the death of all kinds of stuff around you. But if you will get familiar with the man, it'll change your life. And so Zacchaeus isn't looking for a list, he's looking for a person. He doesn't say, hey listen man, I'm, a, I'm pretty important here. I'm, I'm a chief tax collector and I don't do these public things. So I'm gonna send one of my people to go meet Jesus, tell him, no, 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 no. It says that Zacchaeus himself climbed up in a tree to get a bird's eye view. Probably not a bird's eye view, probably a normal height human being view, but nonetheless. Climbs up in a tree and I love what the Bible says after this. Luke records, when he climbs up in the tree, it said, Jesus looked for him. Because if you want to find Jesus, he wants to find you. If you're looking for a list, you can walk away. But if you'll climb up in a tree, if you'll walk through a crowd, if you'll make the effort to walk towards him, it says he's always walking towards you. And what happens is it says Jesus must go to his house. I love that. How random would it have seemed in Zacchaeus' mind? I'm just trying to see this Jesus now. I'm just trying to want to meet him. I'm just like, he's like Elvis. Climbs up in a tree. Jesus walks by and says, hey, you. Could you imagine? Do you remember the first time that you poked your head out enough to try to find Jesus anyway? You. I've been looking for you. I've been looking for you. I was waiting on you to turn towards me. I've been looking for you. I walked in this town today to come have lunch with you. Me? You, you stopped here to have lunch with me? I'm a chief tax collector. Now, you may not know what that means, but Zacchaeus was a Jewish man by birth, so he was part of the Jewish culture by birth. But what happened was the Romans had contracted with some Jews to collect taxes. It's like one of your family members being part of the IRS. Just difficult, right? So, so but unlike your family member, I pray, what would happen in Zacchaeus' case, and Matthew's by the way, what would happen in their case is they would extort people over and above what the Roman tax was. Now the Romans were fine with that because all the Romans cared for was what they were getting. So if they extorted over and above, they don't care. Just give us what we asked for. So watch this. The house that Jesus went to to eat lunch with Zacchaeus was paid for by extorting the very people Zacchaeus was related to. I'm getting ready to blow your mind here a second, all right? Jesus walked into a house and sat down and had dinner that was paid for by extortion. And I don't know about you, but I heard for years, we're in the world, but we're not of it. We can't associate with those type of people. Jesus walks into a gangster's house. 
and sits and says, I have to go to your house. He's like going to the Chicago crime mob and going, hey, we having dinner today? Think about it. I want you to think about it. The reason why the church is not as effective in our culture as it was when Jesus was walking the earth is because Jesus went to the people who had the power and didn't care how they got it and said, okay, now I'm going to change your life. What we do is we say, those people do X, Y, and Z because we're checking off a list, right? There's certain people that you can't associate with no matter what. Jesus goes basically to a crime boss's house and says, hey, I'm going to have dinner with you. And it makes the religious people's heads blow up. They go, wait a second. He's eating with a tax collector. It's like he's eating with the Gotti family. Think about it. And it says, I must go to your house like he had planned it. It baffles me sometimes how we can be so constrained on our version of the gospel that it keeps us from sharing it with the people that Jesus went to. Because we're focused on checking off the box. Remember the other guy, Lord, I've never done anything bad. I've never done anything bad. I've never done anything bad. No, I've never had lunch with a crime boss. And Jesus is like, what's wrong with that? I'm planning on having lunch with Zacchaeus next week. He's actually a good dude. A little sketchy the way he paid for that house, but we'll deal with that. But I've got plans for Zacchaeus. So what happens is Zacchaeus is looking for a man, not a checklist. Zacchaeus is looking to have a relationship, not a bunch of rules to follow. Here's the problem. Jesus always wants a relationship and sometimes I don't. Let's be honest. Jesus always wants a relationship. Sometimes I don't. Because I'll be honest at times. Any guys in the house, raise your hand. I need to clarify that I've got some support here before I go much further. Okay, watch this. Let, let me ask you this, guys. Isn't it easier times to get a checklist than have a conversation? Isn't it easier? Anybody been married 20 years in here? Raise your hand. Been married 20 years in here? Isn't it easier to get a checklist than have a conversation sometimes? Listen, there's no guilt in here. It's all grace. She's not going to get on you later. Here's the deal. Sometimes it's easier because for a guy, the checklist is something I can just accomplish. The conversation is going to get weird. Anybody say amen to that? Because here's what I know. I love my wife more than anything on the planet and I would kill, steal, and destroy just like the devil to protect her. But the issue is sometimes a conversation about one specific thing we want to do in the living room turns into remodeling the whole house. And if I could just get a checklist of what to accomplish that day, it'd be a lot simpler in my life. Amen? So we're not chasing Jesus, we're chasing a checklist because sometimes a conversation with Jesus leads into a list you weren't planned to deal with. Sometimes we get so familiar with just dealing with stuff that we don't want the mess of a relationship. Zacchaeus climbed up in a tree because he wanted Jesus not to know what to do. 
Jesus met him right where he was. Do you want to know him or just know what to do? Let's eat at your house, Jesus said. The truth is, the relationship will produce results a checklist never will. The relationship will produce results a checklist never will. You cannot get too familiar with a checklist. Jesus would have dinner with the crime boss to change his life, and that's no, on nobody's checklist. But the relationship mattered. Instead of walking away, some of you are like, man, this has been great. When's he going to talk about money? Watch this. Two rich guys. Let me say something before I go much further. The Bible doesn't say the rich young ruler that he got what he had. It doesn't say he did it in any nefarious ways. It just said he was a ruler and he had a lot of stuff. It doesn't say that he had acquired any of that stuff by doing wrong. It sounds like to me he was a solid dude. But now Zacchaeus, who's a crime boss, has an encounter with Jesus and establishes a relationship. The guy who got what he got the right way walks away sad. Are you tracking? Are you ready for this? So the guy who got what he got the right way, hard worker, doing what he's supposed to do, making it happen, earns an income, does it the right way, has a ton of stuff. He's got a car, a boat, a two-car, he's got the whole deal. I got a vacation home, and Jesus says, go away, give it to the poor, and he goes, mmm, I, I still got a payment on the jet ski, Jesus. The crime boss, who all of history will tell you extorted people for tax money, has a relationship with Jesus, not a checklist, and let's read what happens. Zacchaeus stood up, it says in Luke 19. Look, here and now, I give half of my possessions to the poor, and if I've cheated anybody out of anything, I will pay back four times the amount. And the Bible never records once Jesus asking him to do it. Because you know what a relationship produces? Generosity. Every time. A real relationship will produce generosity every single time. There's things that I would do for my wife today that I would never do for her before we met. Come on, man. You better say amen. amen. The relationship produces generosity every time. But if you familiarize yourself with a checklist, you'll get You'll get stressed out. You'll, get, you'll walk away. You'll walk away sad. But Zacchaeus says, hey, I want to know him. I want to know him. I want to know him. I want to spend time. Jesus was looking for him. They go to Zacchaeus' house. They sit down around a meal. And before they depart, Zacchaeus says, hey, man, I'm going to make this right. I'm going to give restitution far and above what was required in the law at that time. Far and above. He said four times. I'll pay back people four times what I took from them. Now you know why he only gave half to the poor because he was going to have to spend the other half making it right. 
says, well, he only gave half to the poor. If he pays back everybody four times the money he took from them, he's probably getting a loan from the bank. Think about the ramifications of what he made a commitment to. All out of what? A beginning of a relationship with Jesus. Jesus didn't put a requirement on him. He didn't say, Zacchaeus, if you want to come into the kingdom, you've got to give it all away. He just said, I've been looking for you. To, you were looking for me, and I was looking for you. And before the end of dinner, he's giving it all away. I have to ask myself sometimes, is the reason I'm not more generous because I'm afraid to check the box off from the list, or is it because my relationship with him isn't as good as it should be? Because when I'm close to him, I know what it produces. Regardless, let me back up. When I'm close to him, regardless of my income, I know what it produces. Because I'm not checking off a box anymore. I'm not saying, Lord, how much, how much do I have to give away to make you happy? Please say 2%. Please say it's not 10. Please say it's not 20. Please say it's not 30. Please say it's not half. How much do I have to give away to make you happy? No. Now when I get close to him, how much do I get to give away? Because my relationship becomes a partnership as soon as I come into contact with him. Now you thought I was going to give you a number. You're not going to back me into that corner. Well, it's 10%. You know, that's what the Bible says. If you want to be a strict rule follower, the Old Testament does say 10%. But Jesus said over and over in the New Testament, he's throwing out the rules. Now watch. I want to tell you this little story. I, uh, I've become addicted to um, uh, auctions. Dude, they are fun. You just keep nodding your head. You don't even know what's happening. And I can remember back, my, my granddad used to have a service station in a, on a car lot here in, in, in the Martinsburg area years and years ago. I remember as a little kid going to... Um, going to car auctions with them. And I just thought it was the most manly thing you could do at the time. And my granddad would say, hey, listen, don't make any fast moves. Don't look at it. As if he would take a bid from a 10-year-old. But he would, he, he just set the stage like it was, like it was super important. And I remember my granddad had, would have his hat on and the guy was like, and, uh, and my granddad would just go. And I was like, how's he even know what you're doing? You ever been to one of those? Oh, it's so cool. So here's what, ha- here's what started happening. I'm telling you this story because I want you to realize the church gets a bad rap because, because here's what happens. The church causes its own trouble because, because we cause people to think that the only place God wants you to be generous is church. That's such a narrow-minded version of generosity. That there's only one good place to give it. Now, do I think you should support your local church? We're getting ready to finance $1.2 million. Your support would be very appreciated. But it's not, it's, it's, in, a, it's in a partnership, not a, well, I guess, I guess I'm going to help out. And let me explain it this way. So, so my, my daughter is in this, um, 
is in the FFA and, and she raised a pig and she's so selling bacon and, and all this stuff at, a, at an auction. And I tell my wife, listen, we're going to go there and uh, we're going to buy some meat from some kids. Now, I know that doesn't sound exciting to you, but I was jacked. <laughs> so we go and we sit down and to my great fear, I realize this auction was going to take five hours. We didn't leave till midnight. Is that true? We didn't leave till midnight. We stayed till the end. There's a kid there from Berkeley Springs. The only kid there from Berkeley Springs. And, uh, and my wife and I own a business in Berkeley Springs. And so we had made this plan. I don't care how much it costs. We're buying that kid's meat. And so when we decided that, I was like, oh, you, this is going to be fun now. And so there was people there with a lot more money than me. But I was only bidding on one kid. <laughs> so I just sat there. And the guy would look at me and I'd go. <laughs> like I'd been doing it for 30 years, you know. Just, just like. paid $45 a pound for bacon. It's crazy. It's crazy. So I got addicted to it. So yesterday we went to another one. Paid $225 for a bucket of car cleaning stuff. And I couldn't stop. There's a woman across the thing and I'm just like. And my daughter's looking at me like, are you crazy? And I'm like, no, yeah, but. I don't tell you that story for any other reason but this. It's a partnership. When you look for Jesus, he looks for you. And he's not looking for you to check off a list. He's looking for a partner in the gospel. And when we're generous, it's part of partnering with the gospel going forward. And remember Ephesians 2, 8, it's not by works lest any man should boast, but it's a gift of God. Remember that salvation? But if you stop at 8 and 9, you stop reading, or you only read a scripture a day. Verse 10 says, but you are God's workmanship, handiwork, creating Christ Jesus to do good works. Do you see that? For we are God's handiwork, creating Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. So you know what it is? It's not about God. What do I have to do to be right? What do I have to do to be right? What, how much do I have to give away to be right? How much do I have to support the church to be right? No, it's I'm climbing up in a tree and I'm looking for Jesus. And then I figure out he's looking for me. And then he saves me by his grace. And then I realize, wait a second, I get to do this. I get to partner with him. And the crazy part is, is that every time I go to a pig auction, he'll provide enough money for me to give away. That's a crazy part. Because Paul writes to the Corinthian church, if you will have a heart of generosity, then he will, then he will provide in abundance for you to be generous on every occasion. Whether it's at a pig auction, whether it's at a bacon auction, whether it's for a church building, whether it's for a feeding program, whether it's for a clothing program, it doesn't matter. He said, if you will look for me and partner with me, I'll just keep feeding you and feeding you and feeding you. And here's what I want to get familiar with, the abundance for me to be generous. 
that's what I want to get familiar with. Not the checklist about what I got to do right. I want to get familiar with, hey, look, it's Hope Community Church giving it away again. It's Hope Community Church. They just bought another pig. It's, look, Chris is down there paying $100 for a pound of bacon. That's crazy. You know why? So I'm not checking off lists. I get to partner with the guy who owns it all. I get to partner with the King of Kings and Lord of Lords and he created these good things for me to do. And it's not a drag. It's not a list I got to check off. It's a privilege. And so, Lord, we are not praying this morning. Come on, stand to your feet. We're wrapping it up. Lord, we're not asking this morning, what do we have to do to be right? We're asking this morning if you let us partner with you. We're not asking this morning, Lord, have I checked all the boxes? We're asking, can we know you enough that you trust us with it? Lord, we want to know you enough that you trust us with the money. Whether it's a building project, whether it's a homeless foundation, whether it's, whether it's things to support your master's closet, whether it, whatever it is, God, let us be generous. Let us partner with you. Let generosity flow out of our lives. You created in advance good things for us to do. And I pray today that this church would show up for every one of them. Lord, that the familiarity of a checklist wouldn't kill us, but the familiarity with your goodness would propel us to be generous. We thank you for it today. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Come on, could you give him praise and honor for that? Come on, he's good, amen? Amen? Hey, listen, encourage somebody. You can be generous when you leave out that way. And I want to encourage you, pray for Tuesday at 2 o'clock and then watch for Facebook. And by God's grace, we'll be in that new building next week. We'll see you then.